0: I mean, you should be able to make money every single day. If you're not making money every single day, you need a revenue stream in your business. That's kind of how I look at it. And most service-based businesses don't make money every single day.
1: Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third-generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald.
2: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. If you're new to this show, I interview business owners, entrepreneurs, and influencers, and share their origin stories. As a business owner myself, I find inspiration and power in learning about others' journeys and how they're pursuing and living their dreams. So thank you for joining me today. Today, I think you're going to be very interested to get to know my guests. They have 53 years of combined experience in their field. They're best selling authors, and they've been instrumental in helping thousands of individuals start or scale a business. So, welcome Neil and Karen Gortzman of Private Label University to the show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. having us here. We are excited to get to know a little bit more about Private Label University. Um, But guys, just to be clear to my listeners, you are not located in East Idaho, but you have certainly helped some East Idahoans with their own private label products. Um, And I think you have a great story. You provide a great service. And I thought the East Idaho listeners would be very interested in what you're doing and how you're doing it. So let's start off by learning more about Private Label University. What is it? Well, firstly, thank you for um, in,
0: inviting us, um, especially to your audience. And you're right, we are not located um, in in Idaho, uh, but we are global. We're all over. Originally, we are from Canada, and our route started there, brought it into the U.S., into Europe, into Asia. And so um, we are so excited to be able to bring that. So Private Label University kind of came upon um, past decades of uh, working in the field of products and specializing in developing products that are branded with a company or branded with a person. So private labeling, for example, is taking a product and it could be, it's a product that could already exist, doesn't have to be created from scratch, already exists and putting your brand name on it and then sharing it with the world. So um, Neil will share his story in a second. He um, was in the business for over thirty-five years, um, working in a family business uh, with products, private labeling products, and from that, the recognition of being able to brand products to get your message out started developing and developing and developing. And so um, when we moved to the United States, I was a full-time mom and. Um, it's a great job. Love it. Would never give it up for anything, but the pay is not so good. (laughs) (laughs) And so when we moved here, I had said to Neil, will you teach me how to private label a product? I have a great idea for a baby product. That's my space. I see moms all the time. I'm not working. I'd love to bring in a a revenue stream. So I have money to do stuff that I want to do besides being a full-time mom. And he taught me how to take a product, brand it with my brand on it, private label it, and be able to share it. So from there, Private Label University was created because so many people asked me, Karen, how did you do that? How did you start a business? How did you do that? And I thought if he could teach me, and I originally came from the dental industry, so I was a service-based business, I knew nothing about products. I figured if he could teach me how to do it, he could teach everyone how to do it. And that's how Private Label University started, we created a platform so that we can teach um, moms, dads, uh, people who are looking to create online businesses or be self-employed or add to your existing business and scale it um, by using private labeling. And so we created Private Label University.
2: So just a question, Karen, what I hear you saying is that this is not, I don't have to be an inventor. I don't have to come up with a product that is this great new thing and then label it Renee's awesome thing. This is, uh, you're saying that an existing product could have for, in our business, the Oswald service brand on it and be an Oswald service product, but it be an existing product.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that you can't touch these other products because they're patent or they, they have IP. And this is true. There are many products that do, but majority of products do not. So, for example, a glass or a cup. For example, I'm gonna steal Neil's coffee cup right here. It says Canada, but it's a cup. It's not a patent item that you could put something on. That's maybe not a great example, but that's, you know, you can take a product. You can't take an Apple computer and put a pair on it and call it something, but you can, you know, computers are computers. It's not a patent thing because different people have computers. So you can create something even from something that already exists, change it a bit as well and then create your own, put your own name, private label on it. So for example, um, Costco, do you want to share a Costco example? That'd sure. Be
1: like, you know, Costco, you go in and of course you can buy many brands of name brand products, but as they had that giant clientele and customer base, they thought why not take advantage and, and keep those clients, hold on to them by offering our own brand. So we'll come up with the Kirkland brand of products. And we can take the exact same cashews or peanuts that we buy from planters, or we buy from another big company and we'll brand it ourselves and promote it, maybe offer a slightly lower price, put it in a different package. And all of a sudden you have a following for it. So people come in for the Kirkland brand. So again, it's it's as Kerry mentioned, it's taking um, cr- just products that are already out there and making them your own. Again, creating a brand around it. So you have brand awareness and hold on to those those clients that you're building.
2: So this is a little bit more than just me finding a product and putting my name on it. You're you you offer that whole package of creating the brand awareness and helping businesses make it something. So Oswald Service and Repair is an automotive repair shop. If I decided to take a pair of jumper cables and put our name on them, um, obviously I have a, an existing business, but how do I take that? to the next level and make that product be something that I'm making revenue off of other than just the customers that are coming in my door. Mm -hmm. Great, great question.
0: Um, So one of the things we work a lot, most of our clientele um, are either retailers, they're already in the retail space, or they're service based businesses, which is kind of really what the retailer is, in in a sense, a Mm -hmm. service based business. And so what products do is it complements and brings loyalty to those customers to keep coming back into their stores or into their business. It also can act as as an accessory in a sense to help um, the client move to the next level with training um, or uh, uh, treatment or wherever it's used. For example, um, chiropractors, or even in my industry, the dental industry. So um, in that in, in, the, in those industries, for example, a lot of people come in, they get treated, and then they leave. they have to wait for the next treatment. You know sometimes there's homework or things that you can do. A physiotherapist may have exercises or things that they, that they want you to do or the chiropractor, but there could be tools that they could be selling or providing to the cus to their customer, to their client to help support the therapy or the treatment. Or, or the training that they're receiving until their next visit. And what's nice about it is not only does it create loyalty, but it also creates um, commitment accountability, um, as well as on on the, on the other side, the uh, professional side, you know, it's bringing in revenue because each person that is purchasing this product to support their training or development or whatever it is they're doing, it's bringing in a, an extra revenue stream. And it doesn't have to be just sold, like you don't even have to have a practice or a brick and mortar. A lot of um, online businesses or online consultants that are doing especially now with everything going on, everything is done now virtual, it could be sold on a website, on their online store, it could be sold on Amazon, on other online sites, so that what we have found is when people offer these uh, products that help support, maybe maybe it's in health and fitness or whatever the industry is, you're able to reach an audience that you are not currently reaching, so it brings in clients So that's what we have seen. So you have products out there, people are searching, like I have a sore back. How do I, you know, get a a tool or is there something out there that could help with something with my back or my spine and they're on Google and they're searching and something comes up could be, and it's you, they go to your website, they see, Oh, I'm going to get the product. Then they're doing research on your, on your website. Oh, they offer this service, that service. Oh, it's virtual. Oh, it's right around the corner from me. And It brings in new clients. So that's the advantage, not just financially of products, it brings in a revenue stream just from the product, but it brings in new clients, which also is a revenue stream.
2: So I think um, maybe I was thinking a little bit too small because in my mind, especially having a brick and mortar Um, I'm thinking, how is this different than me just working with a company that I can get swag from and put my name on it and then sell in my store? But what I hear you saying is this is really more, I could be um, on search in Google and then, I mean, is that what you help your clients figure out how to do? Because that blows my mind.
0: Yeah, so we go through the whole process. The big the hardest part that I find people get stuck on is to really kind of figure out, and this is what we hear all the time. I don't know what product, I don't mm-hmm. know what my perfect product is. And that's one of the things that we specialize in. And when you think about that, you know, it sounds overwhelming. Like I wouldn't know what my product is. I have no idea, but it's actually the easiest part of the whole, the whole process. We go through an entire analysis, interviewing you, having you go through questions to and, and exercises because a lot of times you don't realize that it's right in front of you. And even though, and we call it the perfect product, but because there's a perfect product really for everyone. A perfect product for you may not be a perfect product for me. Something that sells really well for me if I put it in your hands, may not sell at all. People have, you all have a perfect product. It's about just figuring out what that is. And in one session, we help you go through that so you know exactly what your perfect product is. And then take you through each step. What happens next? How do I find someone to make this perfect product, or how do I put my brand? We walk you through every single step until it's actually on your on your site, and then how to go about selling it, how to implement it into your business, everything. And that's what we're. um, I think we're uh, we're different in the sense that it's not just you know go figure it out. It's really important to make sure that it's that the product that you're picking is the right. It's like a It's like a Mm -hmm. PPP where, you know, there's tongue twisters. The product that you're picking is the perfect product.
2: Yeah. So it's not necessarily just one product though, is it?
0: Uh, Sometimes. Sometimes it's just one product and then people build from there. We usually like to um, scale slower in a sense that... We want you to you know, start with one or two products and then build from there. Because then you're the idea is to be, be able to build a brand, to be a not just, you know, oh, I'm interested in, in a pet thing and then I'm in automotive and I'm all over the place. We want it to be able to function in a sense that if you already have a business, It's going to grow with your business and add to your business, not just something random. Um, Or if you're starting a business as a startup, we get a lot of startups that it is building a brand so that people see you as as that brand. Mm
1: -hmm. And we work with a a lot of, even in the sports industry, a lot of Mm -hmm. coaches and uh, with rehab, uh, sports therapists, and a lot of them just, you know, if it's a slow season now, of course, the times we've been in where they don't have the clientele coming in. But if they have a product that they've used in their practice, or they've shown uh, their patients how to use it or what to do with it, again, they don't have to have 50 different products. They don't have to go into supplements and everything else. They can concentrate on on if they're a strength coach. Okay, we use a specific tool or band or something for stretching. And people will trust their their, their coaches for that. They'll trust their doctors for that. So this way, People, you know, again, it's the same type of thing where if you're using it and someone will say, hey, where did you get that from? Oh, my coach recommended. How does it work? Oh, they'll go online. They'll Google it. Oh, I can buy them. So, again, increasing your um, your credibility, credibility, but as well as, again, building up that brand, because once you do take on products, um, you're representing that product. So you are building a brand.
0: One of the hardest things for service-based businesses, and I'm talking personally as well, being you know, in a service-based business, um, whether it's um, you know a hygienist or a dentist or a nurse or even just an entrepreneur providing um, a service, it's really hard, um, especially when you're starting, is to be seen and to be heard. And what um, we have found is that products help you be seen help you become that influencer because there's so much competition out there there are especially now that we're all kind of home base and everything is virtual you know we're all fighting for that virtual space and the hardest part I find is you have to really be able to stand out make yourself different what is different about you and most service-based businesses don't have a product and that makes you seem more credible Um, It makes you stand out and you become that leader in the industry because you are that one step ahead.
2: So is this something, I mean, obviously nothing is foolproof, Mm -hmm. but as you offer through Private Label University, you kind of hold your customers, your clients' hands. Is there a, is there a character, are there characteristics that somebody is, should have in order to be really successful with this or can pretty much anybody do it with your formula?
0: Um, both in a sense, you know, I think you have to you know, you have to be committed to doing work. If you're not committed to doing work, then in anything, nothing's going to happen. Right. But I mean, like I said, I I came from the service-based industry. I knew nothing about products. Yes. I was lucky. I had Neil teaching me how to do this as, as we were going through it. Um, but I had knew nothing about products. I don't, didn't know how to sell a product, let alone create anything around it. Um, you know, and I've created products since then from scratch. But we have, you know, our our at the time he's now seventeen, but at the time he was our son who's thirteen years old at the time came home from school, middle school was a middle school, yeah, it was, it was middle school. school. Yeah. Came home with a product idea, and I looked at Neil and said, "I don't know about this." And I, you know, but we're parents, right? We have to encourage our kids. And I said, "Okay, if you're committed." I'll walk you through the process. I'll do it with you. And we'll go through the process. But you have to invest your money because I wanted him committed. And we talk about it in our book at Private Label Secrets. And he invested $500. He had, I don't even know where he got the $500 babysitting. It was like pulling out of his mattress. It was like $500. And he invested in a product and we went through the whole process and i have to tell you not only did we never get it to you know sell on amazon or anywhere else because he was sold out before the product even came in he had his friends pre-selling them at school he was selling them at school every time they came in they were sold out gone next thing next thing he ended up making a lot of money enough money to go when he goes next year to university. But the thing is, I mean, he was 13 and able to follow this process. We have people in their 70s, clients in, our, in their 70s, who are following this process that have no experience. So it really is, it's not an old, pro, it's not an old form. It's, it's not a new formula. It's an mm-hmm. old formula. It's been going on since the beginning of trade, right? Private labeling, people have been taking products, you know, putting their brands on it forever. We've just taken the process because we've been using it, Neil's been using, his father was using it, um, you know, in the 50s, even um, building private labeling products, um, that brand, but we, um, we took it, we personalized it, I guess private labeled it in a sense, and, um, and created a simpler system so that anyone can really follow it. Um, and, implementing it and sharing with others where you can use it. And that's kind of the key. It's a popular thing or people are starting to see it more now, but years ago it was a secret. You couldn't say it. Well, we're working, we, we work with like um, Walmart, Martha Stewart, Hobby Lobby, uh, Michael, some of the big chains. And it was literally a secret. Mm -hmm. You were
2: not allowed to share share. what they were doing because anyone, everyone would be doing it. Right. Exactly. So my question to you is, it sounds like in your history, you've had success with your own private label products. Why did you decide to create Private Label University and share all of this, especially when it was such an industry secret? Yeah.
1: (laughs) That is is a great question. You know, it, it was, again, as Karen mentioned, it was always, you walk into a department store and people are like, wow, I love shopping malls. Where do all these products come from? They're created by people like you and me. That's that's where they're they're from. They're not from some special Wizard of Oz place where the you know the product land where products are. People create products all the time and build up a demand. Um, you know, Steve Jobs. You know, you take a, a a global product he created in his garage with a group of friends and created this wonderful brand and product that everyone uses and everyone knows. So it's. Growing up i was I guess I was spoiled because I was in the product industry. my family, my father had developed products his whole life. Um, we were in the retail manufacturing and, and distribution of products and I would see products being developed all the time. He was always designing new things, creating looking at products that he had already been selling and seeing how he can make them better, branding them himself and so being surrounded by products as as uh, once I got older. And Karen saw that um, again when we moved to the states. One of the main reasons why we're here were there was a lot of the U.S. companies that demanded my attention here to help them with their private label products. And you know, Karen would say, "Why don't you teach us? To, why don't you teach everyone about this?" Well, so many people
0: had asked us, like friends and family and people we'd meet and co-workers, they'd say, can you teach us how to do it? And I had said to Neil, we need to be teaching people how to do this. Why should there be a monopoly of stores or companies that have access to this information? We, as a professional, need to be sharing this with people. And that's what we started doing. And did we get in trouble? (laughs) Yeah,
1: you know, and independent retailers should have the same success as a big retailer. So, for me, if I walked into a, a small, an independent, you know, brick and mortar store who only has maybe one store locally, I could I could share the same information that I train. Walmart and Michael's and Hobby, the same thing because it's the same process.
0: But they weren't happy at the beginning. But
1: the big chains weren't happy because it's like, why would you tell them how to do it? Well, why not? They're just as it's important. It's like
2: the magician telling the tricks.
1: Right. But <laughs> it felt it, it, every company is at the same level. They're all important. doesn't matter if you have one store or you have a hundred stores. To me, you're still a customer. You're still a person. You're an entrepreneur and you should have the same success And you can build it as big as you want. You can create a thousand products or you can stick with one or two and build on that. Um,
0: And I think we're also in a decade of sharing, a decade of supporting and inspiring. And... and I, and I feel that that is kind of where this is coming from, and, you and know, with, so many people come to us for guidance and mm-hmm. support. And I think it's, you know, it is our job to be able to, to share that. And I think, you know, just time, um, you know, in, in business as as you know, business stages develop, as we, you know, age, and as time goes on, it's more open to different strategies and sharing, and inspiring and helping. And I think that's where where it comes from. I mean, Mm -hmm. we still private label products, right? Yes, although we do um, coach and and we we, I mean, we do live events in, in, in China, we go to the biggest fairs, we really, really support our clients. But at the same time, we build our own brands, our own Private label brands
2: um, that still sell in stores, and so tell me a little bit about that. You, um, I read that you do take a trip with your clients if they want to go to China. Is that usually annually or mm-hmm. biannually or it's so, annually? Um,
0: this year is a little different with with COVID, uh, <laughs> <Right. right?
2: laughs>
0: but we usually go in April. And what we do is it's open to anyone. Um, a lot and our clients. Um, it's Uh, love to go to go to to this uh, event. And basically what it is, um, we go to China, we go to the largest trade show in the world. It's called the Canton Fair. We spend a week there. Um, We get to visit our factories. We do intense training. Everyone gets to uh, be partnered up with one of our team members who understand our system, that speak the language, that support them the whole time. And we literally take a business trip to go over there for a week, and we train every day and we find products and we look for uh, suppliers that will uh, support our products, make our products, brand them for us. And we put everyone through our strategy, our training um, prior. There's tons of training before and then while we're there and then support, of course, after. But the nice thing is everyone who goes there gets 100% success. You get you find the right suppliers that are going to make your products for an inexpensive price, they're going to um, find products, products they've never even seen before, or even thought of, because these are uh, manufacturers who are coming up with great ideas and and products that they want to show. And usually at these fairs um, is where you're going to see them. So we do that once a year. It's usually in April. Um, uh, this year, we are going in October because the April one was uh, postponed until October.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen as far as you know. It's
0: going to happen.
1: It's going to happen. Yeah.
0: Everything is normal back there. And everything, (laughs) most everything is coming back at. They've been
2: through their thing and now, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, is that that particular thing is not absolutely critical for someone to have success, right? I mean, I can sit here in my living room and figure it out. Um, It might not be as easy as going and seeing all of the factories, but. I can do that without going to China, right? Absolutely, it can be
0: done. There are many resources here um, in the U.S. as well as in different countries, not just in China. But there's many uh, ways online that you can um, access uh, uh, the manu- you know, a manufacturer or a supplier. Um, you know, we in our in our online training, we go through those steps on how to go through finding, um, you know manufacturers suppliers online so absolutely it can be done here it takes um so a little bit obviously longer Mm -hmm. time because you know communication back and forth things get you know with email as you know when you email and then you're waiting for an email back as opposed to going directly to the fair within two days it's done Whereas this may take a little bit longer, depending on, you know, how fast communication, um, you know, getting samples, depending on where they're coming from, if they're coming, say, from China, and you want to see, you know, get a sample in, then it takes, you know, maybe five days to get to you. And then, you know, back and forth, you have a lot of back and forth. Whereas when you go directly to China, it's done two days, you're you have everything done. So you're there big, isn't and you're immersed in it. Yeah. But you absolutely can do it um without having to go anywhere. And the nice thing is you can literally do it from home in your pajamas with toddlers all over you. Like <laughs> <Yeah. I do>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what can you give me an idea about what an investment would be? You know, if I would, if I'm starting from scratch, this again, this feels like I'm playing in a sandbox that I have no idea and, and I'm going to have to have thousands and thousands of dollars to do this. What, what does that look like for the mom sitting at home with the toddlers jumping all over her? Can she feasibly do this?
0: Yeah. I love that question because I think the biggest myth is, or a misconception is that a lot of people think that you need hundreds of thousands of dollars to do something like that. It's products and not only money, you have to order hundreds and thousands of, of items.
2: And, and I store them in my garage that I don't have any room for, right? <laughs> like you see on, on short tank. And stuff. Right. That's not actually the case. And that's not the way we do our training
0: as well. So for example, it really, like my son, our son, invested $500. Now I'm not saying it's going to be $500. So don't get me wrong. However, it really depends on what your product's going to be. Are you bringing in pens? Are you bringing in airplanes? Right? So it's really going to be depending on, and not that I recommend bringing in airplanes, but (laughs) (laughs) it's going to depend on the cost also of the item as well. But typically, we're probably looking at a couple of thousand dollars, $1,500 to $2,000 Um, on an average, because what we usually recommend is um, you bring in a small sample of it. So it might be 500, might be a thousand pieces, 5,000 pieces, depending on what the product is and try to stay within a budget that's comfortable for you. And that's how we work. So if you're comfortable and you want, say, two products or three products and your budget is, say... Yeah, $5,000 or even say $1,000 for my math, say $1,000. So then what we do is we help you reverse engineer what that will look like. So for example, if a product is costing $1, then we know you have a $1,000 budget, we order a 1000 Right. So and we kind of work through the formula, incorporating what the actual costs are, because not just what you see and a lot of what you will learn from us, too, is how to negotiate, how to speak properly, how to get those numbers to where you want um, so that your investment in the beginning is not a big investment because we want to. Kind of show proof that you know you're bringing it in and doing it, and then show proof that it has sales, so then you can reinvest into the next one might be you know you ordered five hundred or a thousand, the next one might be two thousand that you're ordering, and then slowly move up and building the relationships correctly with suppliers so that they will support you and support what you're doing.
2: What's the time commitment for this? It sounds like it could be a lot. You know, can I be a chiropractor with a practice? And also add things. It sounds like it might take a lot of time.
0: Great question.
2: So, um, as far as finding products and doing that, um,
0: the the beginning process of it, again, going directly to China in on our trip is done pretty quickly. Um, otherwise, yes, you're back and forth with emails and stuff, but it doesn't really take a lot of time. Um, it's really, you know, it's it, time enough that to send an email, you know, you get your, your sample in, you're going to assess your sample. You might share it with your clients to kind of get feedback. And then once it's created, it's just being shipped to you. It's coming to you. Um, a lot of what you can do once your product is in and set up is automate. So whether you have it up on your website or your e-commerce site or on Shopify or Amazon, there are, Third party um, fulfillment centers. Amazon is one in particular. So all you really have to do is just or hire someone to do a listing, which is simple to do, it takes maybe 10, 15 minutes, and then it's just automated. So anytime someone orders it, you send a client there or a a new client comes to the site and wants to order, it's just automated. So there's really not a huge time commitment. I think the time commitment is the beginning stages of just kind of, you know, more, but it's more of the fun stages and it's little short spurts of send the email, wait for your package, you know, that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. It does seem like that would be kind of fun. (laughs) It is super fun. (laughs) So you guys both, you know, sound like you're very ambitious. You have done this now you've created private level label university. Um, what, where did this come from, this entrepreneurial spirit? Neil, I understand you watched your dad do this, but is that something that has just been kind of natural? Have you always been this way?
1: I think so. Um, i'm I'm a fairly creative person. and again, being in the family business, um, what it wasn't something that I was ever forced into. It was offered to me. Uh, I enjoyed going there on you know after school, working on the weekends, summertime. Um, and just being involved in seeing how where products are from, how they're created., uh, my father would take me to trade shows all around the world. So I'd have my suit and my little briefcase and and stay quiet and just walk and you know you' when you walk into I'd be going to trade shows for toy products. And for a kid going down these aisles where these you know Mattel, all the big companies there, but all these small cottage industry toy factories are, you know, all the different types of Meccano and Lego companies, I'm not going to say copies, but similar products that are only sold in Europe or they're only sold in Japan. And I would be seeing these. And I'd say to my dad, we have to have these, like everyone's going to buy them. Everyone wants them. And of course him showing me the process of deducing, will it really sell? Do you have a market for it? What's the pricing? Can you sell it? Can you set up the proper pricing? Who are you going to sell it to? So just listening to this and learning for so many years, I just became excited about products.
0: And you got so, to see some amazing places around amazing the world. Amazing
1: places around the world. And and that <laughs> one thing was, even if uh, someone in the company didn't want to go to the trade show or they didn't want to travel so, such a far distance or didn't want to be in Germany in the winter time for a show, I would say, take me. You know, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'll go.
2: Yeah, and I think that's being awesome. To introduced
1: to so much was was a wonderful thing. So I, I had that advantage, but I put all my effort in that. Um And even when I went through going to university, I was always working in the business. Um, You know, it demanded also my time. My father at some point said, I just can't keep traveling. I can't be in Taiwan to do an inspection. I can't be in France to do an inspection. Can you go? And I started taking off a lot of time from school to do this. But it was, you know, it was also helping my family um, and it was uh, helping the business Um, So I didn't finish my degree, my degree was going to be continuing in product development, manufacturing, and the family business. Uh, So it's I have no regrets, it was probably the best education that many people I've been to so many different countries, um, and worked with a lot of different governments. So again, that education, I would never have at school. Um, And I'm very fortunate to have that. And I'm very grateful.
2: Yeah. Well, I think you, nobody really finishes their education, you know, right? Although you didn't get the degree, you're still learning and probably learning a lot more than some of us behind a desk. So I think that's great. I would be like you. I think if I was there, I would want to buy everything. That would be my problem. Be like, this all is coming home with me.
1: And, and it's, and you, you, know, you imagine, we, I, call,
2: we call that PPS, perfect product syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's a> <laughs> like everything is mine.
1: Right. I okay. would always say to my dad, I always want to pack an extra empty suitcase so I can fill it with everything else.
2: <laughs> I, I would do that. Yes. I could totally see that. All right, guys, knowing what you know now, is there anything that you, if you had known it when you started out that would have helped you sh- take a shortcut and reduce this learning curve?
1: Mm.
0: listen to my father. <laughs> really? Listen to my father more. Um, an entrepreneur, of course, I, I I don't know if it's something that, that we're just, you know, born with, or um, we just watch and, and pick up the bug. But um, he was really my, or is still my my mentor. And as much as I, you know, growing up, love my parents, but I was a little bit of a challenge, I think, growing up. I was a little bit of a troublemaker growing up and anything my, you know, my, my parents said, um, I would question and say, really, no, I'm going to do it my way. I probably should have listened more to him. (laughs) Because he has some great advice, I tell our kids that all the time now. I'm telling you this because I'm here to help you and support you. They don't see it like that too. Um, But I think uh, you know, mentors listening. You know, years ago we didn't have or understand what a mentor was or someone supporting you. And when someone was mentoring you, it was usually your parents. And it sometimes, in my case. I didn't want to listen and I should have because um, that mentoring would have got me um, to a faster position of doing what I wanted to do. I mean, I was a perpetual student opposite of Neil and why I took every degree from business to dental to I mean, name it because I just didn't want to work. I didn't want to work for someone. I wanted my own job, my own thing. And back then, if I said the word wasn't even in existence, entrepreneur, right? If I said that, it means that I was going to be a bum on the street (laughs) back in the days, right? Yes, indeed. Yes. (laughs) So now it's a whole new, you know, um, it's a whole new world with that. So I didn't know how to not be one. So I just stayed in school and took as many courses, anything I could do to not have to actually physically work for someone.
2: <laughs> well, it seems like you you were a dental hygienist. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So how long did that last then before you so said nope?
0: Yeah. So I worked in, in hygiene for 25 years. Oh, you did? Uh, I did, but I did it in a way, and I don't know if it was just to trick my mind or something, but I cre- it was my own business. So I created my own dental hygiene practice. So my clients, my, uh, my schedule, my I wanted to work as much as I wanted to work on what days I created it as my own practice. So that was my way of, well, it's mine.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I can see that, that you were working for yourself. Exactly. Totally makes sense. So it might be, you guys may have already answered this, but what advice would you have for anyone who's interested in self-employment, not even just with private label products, but self-employment in general, um, is there a piece of advice maybe that your dad gave you that you still live by or that you would give to others who are thinking, yeah, I don't want to work for someone else. I want to do this on my own.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think advice, um, you really have to, it's not for everyone. It really isn't. There are some huge advantages and disadvantages with being, being self-employed. But I think you have to really, when you make a decision to be self-employed, you really have to kind of go deep and, and really understand what it is that you are wanting for your life, for your future. For me, and I know, Neil, and you can talk about it, is that for, especially you know being a mom and having kids, I wanted... Two things. I wanted to be able to have my own money. I wanted to be able to um, be independent and do and and thrive with my skills, use my skills, my superpowers, and at the same time be a great mom and be there for my kids. And I could not do that without being self-employed. Those were the most important things for me, and I a little bit, I'm a little bit of a control freak in the sense that I like to have that control. I want to be able to be in control of my choices of when I work, how I work, how much I get paid, when I get paid, who I want to work with. And all those things were important to me. And that is important when you are self-employed. So if you are looking for more freedom in sense of more time, and I'm not saying that, you know, freedom, like you're going to the beach and having a pina colada. I mean, you just, you know, I want to be, able to work from eight to two so that when I can get my kids off to school and at the same time be able to be home and be a mom when they're home. That was what was important to me. And the only thing that I could do that excited me to be able to still use my skills and feel my passion and want to wake up every single morning to do what I do was to be self-employed. And that is really, I think, what a true entrepreneur
2: is. Yeah. You have that bug and you just can't, you can't let it go until you find that thing. So I I absolutely agree with that. You know, I think some of the entrepreneurs, many of the entrepreneurs that I've talked to as they've moved into something that's new for them have moments of doubt. So I hear you guys be really confident with your private label products, but moving into private label university, was that scary? Did you think what the crap are we doing? Tell me a little bit about how you lower <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> We still say that. I look at you and go, "What are we doing?"
0: <laughs> yes, and and not just only private label university. Even sometimes with products too. You know, not every product may be you know successful. You know, so I mean, we have products. We talk about the product graveyard in our our book coming out next month. And one of um, what it means is like, we have products that we created that are awesome, but I just think that they came into the. the yeah, came into society at the wrong time. So we, they went into the graveyard, the product graveyard, then we brought them out, rebranded them, and now can't even keep them in stock. So I just, you know, even with products too, but yeah, we, we were very Neil was, Neil was more scared, I think, than, than I was, just because he was working with some of those big retailers, as we talked about, and now sharing these secrets that we shared with them, was scary for him because Mm -hmm. he could lose a lot of those accounts. Do you want to share?
1: Yeah. But but I think a lot of them still, you know, they understand, again, I'm not uh, giving them something that's so unique that of course we've, I figured it out. I figured out with, again, having mentors and working with my father and again, establishing a process to do it. But it's something that I I think, unfortunately, they don't teach in business school and if a lot more students or people went to school, entrepreneurs, and were given the ability to talk to people like ourselves who will talk about products, how they're sold, being committed to them, your passion behind them, how they're sold, not just looking at uh, analytically of a pie graph and saying, this is how it's going to sell uh, supply and demand. It doesn't work that way because society always changing.
0: Even relationships too. They don't teach you in business school how to create international relationships. So there's a lot to, to, to be sure to that, be and, and
1: communication, just that psychology behind of a product and selling it. You're not just a snake oil sales and selling a product you're there because you're passionate for your product to do well, to create a brand and be successful at it. And,
0: but I think also with private labeling products, or adding it to your business or starting a business with it, I think there's less fear around that because the investment is not high. Mm -hmm. And compared to the success that you can see with it. I mean, we've been doing this for 35 years. We wouldn't be doing it for as long as we've been doing it if it didn't work. Do you know what I mean? And you can, you see the trends, you see what, you know, all these different products out there. So you can see that products sell. And the nice thing about it is too, especially in times like this, when you, you know, we thrive on our live events, when we're training, we can't do live events now. Right. Right. So that's been Mm -hmm. hurtful, Mm -hmm. but we have products that sell every single day. So we're always generating money. So we're not saying give up what you do, give up your profession, give up your your uh, business, just complement it or add to it. Because now with the way businesses need to be thriving or scaling is by adding revenue sources, different ones. And this is just a simple, easy way of doing that.
2: So you said something that kind of uh, struck my memory around exactly what we're going through right now with our pandemic. And many of us are home shopping online. Have you seen with your, your own personal products and with your clients that there has definitely been an uptick in their businesses during this time?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, with a couple of things, one, yes, with products, we've actually, it's been busier for us the last three months than it has been all year with products because of this. I mean, this is a good thing, right? Um, however, I think also too, what we have found is so many people have been reaching out to us because they're late at starting through this. So they didn't have products set in place. Their businesses are not making money daily. I mean, you should be able to make money every single day. If you're not making money every single day, you need a revenue stream in your business. That's kind of how I look at it. And most service-based businesses don't make money every single day, right? So that's why it's really important. So I think a lot of, and not just service-based businesses have been, the retailers Mm -hmm. now, a lot of retailers aren't even online.
1: Mm -hmm. Or not online properly.
0: Right, so, um, or don't have their own private label products. So you're selling other people's products, promoting the other brand, your margins are small. Mm -hmm. So not as much uh, revenue is coming in. And so a lot of them are now reaching out like, oh, we need to get on right now. I need to get on. Like, <laughs>
2: we can't do right? it just so like the this.
0: The next.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, guys, it has been fascinating to learn all of this. I mean, my mind is, st- I'm still sitting here just a little bit reeling to take it all in. Um, thank you for your time and letting me keep you for this long. Is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners while we've got you?
0: Just believe in what you do and do the best you can with what we have and look for ways to bring in additional revenue, whether it is private labeling or whether it's something else. But it's really important moving forward the way businesses are staying in business is by being creative with their revenue streams. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think you have something that you're willing to offer to our listeners. Is that right?
0: Absolutely, yes. So one, as I mentioned, the hardest part, most people feel the hardest part is finding or figuring out what their perfect product is. So we would love to offer to your audience um, an opportunity to set up a call with us. and call it a discovery call and um, set up a call with us and let us help you find your perfect product so that you know what would be the perfect product to be working that will work for you in your business to help you bring in
2: an additional revenue stream. Thank you. That's awesome. I will put that link in the show notes on the website so that people can get to that easily. Mm -hmm. Um, Karen and Neil, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been very informative for me and I'm sure it has been very informative for the listeners too. So thank you for sharing your expertise with us. And perhaps some of the listeners will be checking out Private Label. Maybe we'll have our own product out there. So um, we appreciate so much uh, your time today and, and for being willing to talk to the East Idaho listeners. Thank you, thank so, you so much. much. Honored to be here. Honor to be here. As a reminder, guys, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexford. If you're looking for honest automotive repair, look no further. Come and see us and let our family take care of your family. Now stay tuned for the Business Leadership Moment.
1: It's now time for a Business Leadership Moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast.
2: Hi guys, thank you so much for joining me for the Business Leadership Moment. This Segment is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho business conference held every November. You've heard me talk about it. I hope you're getting excited for what's to come. Please mark your calendars and join us in November. Also, it's brought to you by their sister event called RiseX. RiseX is a monthly masterminding, networking, all sorts of great thing event that happens and now we've moved to virtual. So We're virtual for a couple of months, and then we're going to be live and in person together. And I think they have some great things scheduled and planned for the future. So please check out RiseX; it's much easier to um, to attend because there's part of it that's virtual, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. Uh, It helps all of us grow and get stronger, guys. Today I just uh, had so many thoughts as I was interviewing Karen and Neil, and one of those um, struck me. Reminded me of an email that I received from a coach that I follow. And his name is Rich Litvin. He wrote The Prosperous Coach. If you're not familiar with Rich Litvin, I really, especially if you're in the coaching business, I highly recommend checking that out. Um, he gives such amazing nuggets of wisdom. And one of the emails that he sent at, talked about having a created life. And I said as I listened to Karen and Neil. It made me think about creating my life and, you know, having a personal product is not anything I would have ever considered before, but they've got me thinking. And uh, this email that this, the information that, that Rich sent kind of went along with that. And I wanted to share it with you. So he talked about having a created life or a reported on life and the sheep formula says, By doing and saying the same as everyone else, you end up sounding and looking exactly like everyone else. And you'd think that people would not want to be a sheep, right? But we would be wrong in thinking that because being a sheep keeps you safe. And we are programmed that way. And there's a psychologist named Rollo May that said, the opposite of courage is not cowardice, it's conformity. And so what me... Means that it means that the opposite of conformity takes courage, takes risk, it takes putting ourselves out there. It's the Brene Brown of, you know, being vulnerable, taking risk, being uncertain, and risking uh, emotional um, feelings. And some of us don't like to be there. So if you want to have a created life, we've got to be able to have courage and put ourselves out there. Most of human history, if you stood out, you died. If you had a point of view, you died. If you're willing to put a stake in the ground with an important mission, message or a mission, you probably died. And so we're kind of hardwired that way to conform. And so you're the product of generations of ancestors who learned not to stand out and not to rock the boat and not to have a point of view. But we need to, right? If we want to set ourselves apart as businesses, we have got to set ourselves apart by doing something that doesn't conform to what everybody else thinks that we should be doing. And you got to take risks. So just a couple of thoughts that Rich had on creating, um, creating life. One of the things he does every day, he gets up and he asks himself three questions. And he says, how will I create myself today? How will I create you today? And how will I create the world today? So in creating myself, I make a conscious choice on how I want to show up that day. You know, am I courageous? Am I curious? Am I calm? Am I confident? Am I supportive? Am I attentive? How do I want to show up? How do I want to create myself? And so it's a question every day he asks himself. himself. Another question that he says is, how will I create you? I make a conscious choice how I want to show up with whoever I'm connecting with that day. So instead of passively responding to who shows up, I consciously create them instead of ending the day with excuses of, you know, like, oh, my client didn't show up on time. My wife didn't listen to me. My kids don't listen to a word that I say. He intentionally begins his day with my my wife is super appreciative of me. My clients are far more powerful than they know. My kids are playful and fun. And I love that about them. It's creating what that day is going to look like. A lot of this goes along with not being the victim. You know, this is not a passive, our life is not passive. We shouldn't have it be passive. And then the third question he asks is how will I create the world? I make a conscious choice on how I want the world to be that day. Instead of ending the day with thoughts of the economy is in a terrible state, people are so negative, the news is so scary, Um, we can consciously create the world and begin the day with there's so many opportunities. I can look for ways to serve people deeply. People are gracious and fascinating. I'm going to seek out positive stories today. It's really hard, especially when we are living in what we're living in. And and I'm not saying that we should bury our head in the sand and not pay attention to what's happening. But we get to choose how it affects us. So I really loved this about creating life. He goes on to talk about the power of a a manifesto and he actually has positive affirmations that he tells himself every day. And in my mind, I'm kind of, I have always kind of thought, Oh, that's a little, so much work. And so woo woo, but I have now met enough people who do this on a consistent basis. And I see the difference in their lives, guys. They are attaining some amazing goals And so I'm learning more and more that this is actually a pretty powerful exercise that you can do. You know, he says things, I am proud of me. I approve of me. I trust me. I like me. I am enough. I'm in charge. I'm not in control. I don't take myself too seriously. Um, We could go on and on. You have to decide what's right for you as part of those positive affirmations, your personal manifesto. Who are you or what are you? And, um, you know, I am, and you fill in the blank and you can fill it with really positive things to shape your day. So I hope that some of this has helped you a little bit thinking about creating your life instead of being a passive observer, letting life happen to you. We really have much more control over our everyday lives than we want to admit. And this is my challenge to you all to own that and to do everything that you can to create the life that you want. So thanks for listening today and I'm excited to have you back here next week for another amazing guest. Please join me and we'll see you then.
1: Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com